Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. I can't tell you how excited I am about this episode because I have Cassie Joy Garcia with me of the author of Cook Once, Eat All Week, which everyone knows if you listen to the show or knows me from social as my favorite cookbook in the entire world. And I refer to everybody, even if they don't really care. <laughs> and so Cassie's here to talk about her new book, Cook Once Dinner Fix, which is coming out September 14th. And I just can't wait to bring her on. So Welcome, Cassie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited right now. I can't even tell you. <laughs> I am too, Heather. This is going to be really fun. Yes. And I refer to your book. I cook out of it pretty much at all meals because I love the cook one, seat all week one because you give the prep and you, for someone who is new to cooking, I never cooked. Mm-hmm. but I had to learn quickly and wanted to do it healthy because I couldn't keep feeding my children like pizza and yeah. freezer stuff. And so this was very easy and very put like, like it's just very uh, put together really well where it just breaks it down. There's not a lot of ingredients and it saves a lot of time. And my kids literally will eat anything that I make out of it. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. So it's awesome. So I'm super excited. So when I heard that you had a new book coming out, you know, I was like, up oh, pre-order for sure. <laughs> so before we jump into that, let's kind of get, you're in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a mom of two. For yep. Now. Soon to be three. Yep. For now. <laughs> and you have a company called Fed and Fit. So just to give some background for the listeners that maybe aren't familiar, uh, can you explain a little bit more about what Fed and Fit is and why you, uh, you know, created it? Yeah, definitely. So Fed and Fit, I actually just had a 10-year anniversary of Fed and Fit. I started it in uh, summer 2011. I just had a friend ask, they were like, did you celebrate that? I was like, I kind of missed it. (laughs) Oh, no. I will will celebrate it. Um, 10 years ago, I started Fed and Fit as a personal blog. You know how so many of us really get started just to share our stories and our journeys with the, and lessons learned with the hope that it can help somebody else in their own journey, whether that's by way of community camaraderie or borrow from my experiences and don't make the mistakes that I did kind of a situation. Um, and so that's how Fed and Fit started. And it was that it was essentially a personal blog for several years until readers started asking really great questions. And I, about nutrition science and certain food choices And it's always been a curiosity of mine, but I wanted to be able to answer their questions with more authority. So I went back to school, became a holistic nutritionist and started writing some content and recipes more through that lens. And then as time went on and life evolved and my own life evolved and I got married and was able to have a baby. And I thought, you know, all of this healthy eating is great and it's still great, but it, I needed to adapt. I needed to adapt (laughs) how I was getting dinner on the table because the reality of cooking up, um, you know, some kind of a really involved, fresh, 
very different dish every single night. As much as I love cooking, it was just, it's just not a reality for what I have time and bandwidth or desire to do right now. Um, and so started writing more really healthy recipes to get dinner on the table as quickly and efficiently as possible. Um, and in doing that, Fed and Fit, we have almost 1500 free recipes on that website now. And there's a, I get to work with a really cool team of writers and recipe developers, and we're constantly testing really cool things and methods and tips and tricks. Um, so that's where most of my content lives. And then turning some of my best ideas into books, like Cook Once, like the Cook Once series. Yeah, it's amazing because it really does help those that don't know how to cook or don't have a lot of time. I mean, being a mom, you have and you own a business, you don't have time to do that, but you don't want to cook crappy food. You want to eat healthy and you're trying to instill good, you know, habits and things as a young age, but who has the time to do fresh all the time? So yeah, it's not and, a reality. Yeah. No. And it's also very expensive because you have to it buy is. things every single day for a new dish. So being able to repurpose it like this book that, mm -hmm. uh, it's, a lifesaver. Honestly, I, like I said, I recommend it to everybody. <laughs> I love it. So how can you sneak in healthy choices for your family? Cause I know as a mom, at least my children, some of them are really great eaters, but I have one that doesn't like vegetables. So having to sneak it in, in creative ways where, you know, how would you recommend doing that? Yeah. I mean, there's the, there's the tricks that just about every parent has up their sleeve, right? If I chop it up really tiny and I can <laughs> stick it into something. They may not know it. Like in cook once eat all week, for example, there's that broccoli rice casserole where we pulverize broccoli and then toss it with white rice. And it just looks like green rice now, right. but it actually has a ton of broccoli in it. And so, um, it's those kinds of tricks where like, how small can I make this vegetable uh, so that it's, they can't pick it out. And then it just becomes more of an, an intrigue, um, thing instead of, uh, oh, I, I see you carrot on my, plate. Yeah. <laughs> on my plate. Um, so that would be one of them is to just kind of, if you need to mix it in, or if that would serve you well to do that. Um, sometimes even when I was, gosh, we're not necessarily in soup and stew season right now, but soon we will be. And sometimes I will even take my daughter, if she will see a onion floating around, sometimes she won't want to eat the whole thing, but if it's blended in, she won't notice it. And so blending your soups before you add, if you add a protein or other things that you do want to stick out, you could do that ahead of time. Oh, that's a good point. Um, you know, like just before you add the meat, then take your immersion blender. If you have one, that would be a really great way to do it and blend all those veggies into it's a really creamy soup. It actually makes it so much creamier. And then the last tip I have is I would, my, my two girls, at least they'll eat just about anything if they can dip it in something. Oh, and yes. You, it's <laughs> yeah. just a whole new level of fun. And even if they, and you know, kids, they will one day their, their favorite food on in the world is broccoli. And you're like, wow, what did I do? Right. That your favorite food on earth is broccoli. And then two days later, they're, ew, I don't I hate ever, it. I hate it. I don't want to see it. Um, and so what I have found is that if I know that that might be a situation is I will put a dollop. I usually do like a tzatziki or like a Greek yogurt dip or something. I try to have on hand, or sometimes if I'm just in a hurry, I just put Greek yogurt on yeah. their plate and it looks like sour cream. 
um, or some kind of a fun dip. And if they can dip a vegetable or some kind of thing like that into it, even if they're just licking the dip off of whatever it is, they, they might take a nibble and they might remember that they still like that food. That's a great, that's a really great tip. Actually. I've tried to do that with like different dips that I know they'll like and try to mask it. I've actually, when I would cook purple onion, I told my four-year-old, um, cause they were sweeter. And I was like, it's like, uh, he was asking what they were. And I was like, it's purple cake. <laughs> Such a lie. But <laughs> now every time he sees a purple onion, he that's cooked like that. He just makes a joke, but it's like, it worked. Yeah. But he was able to use it with his fingers and he got like all up in it, you know, kids How like fun. fun food. Right. And you yes. have to, you just have to make sure that they're really going to like it, <laughs> not yes. like deter them from that. Yes, exactly. So how do you make special diet modifications while still pleasing everyone at the table? Cause with at least the books that I have of yours, you know, you've got vegan gluten-free, you've got uh, lots of substitutes, which I love and also different cooking styles. Mm-hmm. So without making 16 dishes, how do you, how, how do you recommend doing that? Yeah, that is such a great question. Well, something that, so as a nutritionist, one thing I learned and have a deep appreciation for whenever I'm developing recipes are people with special diet needs. You know, there's something so lonely about sometimes thinking, you know, well, I I can't, or I can't serve my family a meal that has nightshades in it or eggs or something like that, or nuts, you know? And so what I try to do is make sure that the majority of the special diets are represented with options, whether that's overt options, like make it right as is, or there's really thoughtful substitutions. And on my recipes, if there's a substitution listed, we've tested it. And there's some, if you've ever tried a substitution, dairy-free comes to mind where you're like, Oh, I'll try the dairy-free option for this. whatever dish, (laughs) And it comes out like gloop you know, and you just want to, did somebody test this right before they made me waste my time and money? Like that's one of the worst feelings in the world. And so my substitutions are tested. So there's safe place. Um, but I try to make sure that there's a place for people with special diets. And so I would say, I've got two answers to your question. If you are cooking, let's say for multiple special diets at the table without having to make, like you said, many meals for everybody at the table, I would reduce it to the lowest common denominator and find something that sounds delicious for your family. And so if, for example, you have to go egg free and nut free and uh, dairy free, you tricky. know, whole, it, <laughs> it sounds really tricky. It feels really limiting. I have uh, Cookland's dinner fix, for example, it has an index at the back of the book that'll allow you to scroll down on all of those categories and where there is a check mark see where you can find all the check marks for everything that fits your needs, highlight those dishes, highlight those meals, flag them, and just start cooking your way through those to make your life as easy as possible. So that would be my first piece of advice is to make those that fit everybody. Okay. They're out there. They're out the, the nut free, egg free, dairy free, or whatever it is, the unique combination that you're looking for, they are out there. And then the second tip I have is to lean on when you you know, maybe you can't find a composed meal, like a casserole that checks all the boxes. One thing that you probably can find is a component style meal. So the brisket, the polenta and the slaw, you know, for somebody who is dairy free, but you put cheese in the polenta, then they can just omit that part of the meal. 
And so that way, serve it up family style, everybody can kind of grab what they want, what they find is really delicious. Um, and then just avoid the pieces that they don't want or don't can't eat. Um, and if it's a matter of, you know, can't eat, I think it's, it would be a really nice thing to just scoop out some of the polenta before you add the dairy, right. yes. you know, before you add the cheese, that would be a really nice thing to do. But if it's like a food preference, if they prefer no carbs or they wouldn't like that kind of food, it still doesn't mean the rest of the family can't eat it. But if you serve it up family style, then they just don't grab a scoop. Sure. And that's a great tip too, because then you can piecemeal it together and you yeah. can pick and choose. So then no one's feelings are hurt or, yes. you know, you're not feeling like you're short siding someone over the other, yes. because especially with like dealing with families, yes. <laughs> you don't want to go there. There's enough drama no. at the table for that. Exactly. And it's kind of like cooking, you know, I'm in the season of really young babies and it's really, it's not dissimilar to that. I really like to serve our girls what we're eating for dinner. And when Bishop, um, our youngest, now she's a year and a half and pretty much eats exactly what we eat. But before that, you know, babies, you try to reduce their sodium intake. You try to not give them too much salt. And the rest of the family, probably what we were eating would have been too much for Bishop. And so what I would do is I would just pull out that food before I seasoned the rest of it for the rest of the family. Mm -hmm. And so it's a way just kind of like the polenta, just take a scoop out before you add the cheese or the dairy. It's a way where they can still participate in the same exact meal as you. You're not having to make a whole other dish, um, but they still get what they need. Yeah. hundred percent. I would do that too with the kids where before, if you're going to put like chili powder, I used yes. like would half the teaspoon then take it out because it needs something. And then you would add the rest or under season it a bit and then let everyone else like season it the way they want to, yeah. because kids are so picky. And also if you have kids over, you don't know if there's an allergy, if they haven't had anything, especially if she's only a year and a half, you haven't even probably yeah. dipped into a lot of allergies that could happen. So, yeah. um, yeah, no, those are great tips. And so do you also have any for who have busy families that want to cook a home cooked meal, but are pressed for time? Yes. If you're pressed for time and you know that that's always going to be the case for you, there's probably a window in your week that you have a little bit more flexibility and I would lean in to make the most use of that. And so maybe that means when you get home from the grocery store, plan that trip to the grocery store so that you have 30 minutes when you get home to wash your vegetables, maybe even chop them up and then store them in an organized fashion. So let's say you're not ready. You don't have the time or the desire to do like a full prep. You don't have the, you don't have the time or the desire to pre-cook the chicken and do all of those things, but you do wanna get a little bit ahead so that things are just a little bit easier on you. And what I have found is what, when I get home from the store, I probably shopped with a menu, a rough menu in mind, right? I knew kind of what I wanted to make in the next couple of days, and I will put the ingredients for a certain meal together in the refrigerator. You can even go so far if you're going to be disorganized. I'm not quite there all the time, but to make a bin. I do. So like you do. I <laughs> I'm love very it. organized. Yes, I am. You're speaking my language at the moment. It's making me happy. I love it. <laughs> I would like, I mean, I would grab that we have these plastic bins and we use them here at the studio office all the time. I use them at home, but I will, they're meal bins. And if I'm going to make chili, for example, I'll put the onion in there. I'll put the cilantro in there. I'll put the cream and I'll put the can of beans in there. 
and the pantry staples that don't need to be refrigerated, but they're all together. Like refrigerating mm -hmm. a can of beans doesn't hurt anything. And so on Tuesday night, when you're ready to make dinner, it saves you so much time. So you don't have to pull up the ingredient list again and go through and say, okay, what do I need to get out? And oh my gosh, where are those beans? Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to go hunt for everything. It's all right there together. So that can also save you some time in just little bitty ways. I love that. I have a baking, a baking one where I keep all the sugar, like all the things that you would bake and it just pull it out and bring it out because it's like, who wants to go to the pantry to get the sugar yeah. and the salt? It's all there. So then I'm like, just digging through the bin, put it all back and shove it on the shelf. Love it. Yeah. It's so much, it's time. It's more efficient, smarter. Yes. Harder, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. I love that. And so what do you do for meals when you have picky eaters? You know, a lot of my listeners are moms with kids and, um, mm -hmm. picky eaters for sure. I mean, I have one. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. You know, picky eaters, I tend to, and I, I tend to just try to get something on their plate at the bare minimum that I know they're going to like. And sometimes if you just create a, I found that if I create a little bit of momentum around that, it helps a lot. So let's say I know that they will always eat a berry. If there's a berry of any form, shape or size or color on their plate, they're going to eat it. It's one of their favorite foods. If, if I could come home, my daughter would be a raspberry. If she could <laughs> just turn into one right now. Um, and so let's say that's sitting next to an enchilada casserole, which can be hard from a textural perspective. And it's not a really fun food to eat for a lot of, you know, young kids. Um, if I have fruit there, at least if it's just the casserole on the plate in a salad, something that I know that they might refuse entirely. If there's something on there though, that they want, then it creates a little bit more intrigue and it allows it to sit in front of them a little bit longer. And so that it just, that at least gets them a little bit closer to the possibility of trying it. And so that's like the first baby step, um, tip that I would have. The next tip I would have is to try to include something in that dish that they love. So if they love carrots or they love cheese, like there's cheese on top of this thing, you know, just kind of lean into the things that they really love and to want them to try the other foods. And then when all else fails, if you have a really picky eater, who's just going to ignore an entire food group at dinner and you're going to be like, well, there was no protein or fat that got into that body tonight. Yeah. So, right. Which is there, always a case. Right? There's, there's like going to be a very sleepless night. That's what <laughs> happens in my house. I'm like, we'll see you at midnight. That's when you're coming into my room, right? Cause you're so hungry and you're not full. Cause it's yes. like, eat your protein first. That's what we always say. Protein first. And they bring their lunch home. I'm like, wait a minute. You yeah. ate all the other stuff. Like you can't put that in there. You got to eat the protein to keep you full. Yes, exactly. And I'm not, and there's no perfect system for this, but it's all kind of a do your best, right? And, and see where it goes. But what I have found that is when it comes to the proteins and the fats is if I know that there's a food on their plate, that they're probably not going to just love, then I will try to find a way to get protein or fat in another component on their plate. And so, for example, if my daughter, the youngest Bishop, like if she, if there's shredded cheese within a mile, she's going to eat it. And so it's just a ran raspberries. Clearly she's a, yeah, together. <laughs> yeah, probably together. She probably would. Um, but she's really grossed out by stewed meats. Okay. 
and she won't eat those. And so if I put a stewed meat on her plate, she's not going to eat it. I still want to expose her to it. And I still want it to be in front of her in case she gets curious and she can try it. But I'm also going to put a little shredded cheese on there so that she gets some protein and some fat in the form of a protein that she likes. And cheese makes everything better. It does. I wish my oldest, my oldest is almost eight. And for the longest time, you would not eat macaroni and cheese. I'm like, what is wrong with like, whose child are you? Like who doesn't eat macaroni and cheese? He would not eat it. And then finally we got him. He wouldn't eat the homemade stuff. He only ate like the box stuff with the powder. It's like, I just made really great from scratch. And so he will eat that now. But then one day he just decided to try it. And now he's, he was just all about it. So I'm again, the cheese thing though, still is weird to me that he doesn't like cheese. I'm like, I don't understand what child you are. How funny. My oldest will not eat macaroni and cheese either. See, okay. Thank God. I was not, I thought maybe something happened to him. (laughs) I don't have no idea because who doesn't, but I mean, he didn't start eating macaroni and cheese till probably mm, six years old. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So there's hope for Grace. There's hope. You're saying there's hope. (laughs) Yes. He finally did develop it. His favorite, his favorite uh, food is pizza. Oh, fun. And then my, my daughter's salmon. She loves salmon. And I'm just like, again, sophisticated palate, not sure, but she won't eat vegetables. (laughs) So it's like, you'll eat salmon, but won't eat. Yeah. It's funny how that happens, but it is. There's hope for mac and cheese. Yes. Cause I, cause I was like, I can't have kids that don't eat mac and cheese. Cause that's a really great go-to when I'm pinched for time. <laughs> it, is. it really is. That's I've got boxes in my pantry right now. Yeah. Just in case. Yep. Uh, well, no, you're not alone. So that makes me feel better too, actually in hindsight. Um, where do you get the inspirations for the meals that you create and cook and locations that you have been to? Like, is it your mood, like the weather? Like, how do you base that? Um, dishes that I want to cook, you know, I have always been somebody who, if I go to a restaurant and I, I will read a menu, like a good book. I don't know what it is. It's just a way my brain is wired. I love learning about flavor combinations and applications and methods. I just find it. It's an, it's an art in a lot of ways that I have such a deep appreciation for, And so because of that, I want to experience as much of it as I can. And so I'm the kind of person where if I go to a restaurant, unless it's like our favorite burger place, you know, where I have my favorite burger, um, I'm going to try to try something that I've never had before. Mm. I like, I really like to put myself out there and try new things. And because of that, then I have been exposed, I've exposed myself to a whole lot of different kinds of foods and flavors and methods. And there's some, of course, I don't like. And there's a, there's plenty that I haven't been like, I'm not going to order that again. (laughs) There's, there's plenty of those experiences, but I still consider that a win, you know, to try something new. And so when I'm developing recipes or when I'm planning something like a book, like cook once dinner fix, it's got 120 full meals in it. And that's a lot after writing over a thousand other recipes, you know, that's a, that's a lot of content. And I, I tackle it by thinking, what would I find really delicious and interesting? And also through the lens of what would my family actually enjoy? What would we really be excited to gather around a table to dig into? What would I be, what would I want to make over and over again? You know, if I did really love a dish, 
Um, it's not just, it's not so adventurous that I'm going to be like, okay, I won and done and I don't need to make that again. Um, and so it's kind of through a lot of those different lenses. What are different flavors and ingredients and methods that I can try on for size um, to make something fun and delicious that could be a new family favorite for somebody. Is there anything that you won't eat? Anything that I won't eat? You know, I, my daughters will eat it. Thank goodness. But that's by design is I have a really hard time with liver. It is. Oh yeah. I can't, mm-hmm. I, can't I can't do it. Mm-mm. That I can't. fish can't do it. Oh, I haven't tried the built of this. Oh, oh, yeah, I will. I'm not opposed to trying it, but my goodness, especially pasture-raised chicken livers. I'm just not to get too geeky on you, but pasture-raised chicken livers have one of the highest forms of naturally occurring bioavailable folate, methylated folate available to us. And spinach is just behind it, but you have to eat a lot of spinach, right? Because it's spinach, you know, condenses down so much. Right. And when we were trying to conceive Grayson, I was trying to up my folate, my folate. Cause it's good for you. Cause it's good for you. We grilled, right. I did all kind of research on the best way to make chicken livers. And it still goes down in history as my least favorite meal ever. But my daughters, because it's so good for them, we buy liver worst. Mm. Uh, from us wellness meats, a really great source of it. And they love it. They, we call it breakfast meat. Those poor children, they have no idea. <laughs> yeah. They have no idea. Cause it just grosses me out the texture and the, the color of it. It just yes. not appetizing at all. I mean, people do love it though. There are people who love it and I'm, I live with two of them and yes. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that they love it because it's so good for them, but I just, just not for me have healthy levels of folate for the rest of their lives. That's great. We'll just continue to eat spinach and just laugh behind them. It's fine. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I'm with you on that one, but you'll have to try it. I mean, I was raised Jewish. So, I mean, it was always there. It was, it was just never, it was just looks, it looked like liver. I mean, honestly, (laughs) you want to try it? To try it. Yes, I will. I will try it. I think, and you, you know, you cook for a living, so get the fresh stuff. Don't get the okay. cans. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's better. I don't know. I just can't bring myself to do it, but let no. me know. I'm curious. I will. Um, so here's a fun question and that's what is your favorite music or what playlist do you listen to while cooking? Oh gosh. What do I listen to while I'm cooking? You know, before children, I listened to a lot of like, uh, folky pop music, uh, whatever was new, really, I was on the cutting edge of music stuff. And now I listen to anything that's just going to get my girls to dance. And have, <laughs> there's a, there's plenty of cocoa melon. Oh my gosh. Um, too much can't, of it, but can't do it. I mean, we will, we'll turn on, I'll like see, Hey Siri play Taylor Swift, like anything that's just going to like be really fun and have, and we can all dance and just have a really good time together to like keep them off the TV before dinner, which is not a perfect record at that, but yeah. it's an effort and putting on some funny music is a really great way to go. Yeah. Taylor Swift is a go-to for sure. And imagine dragons actually is a really big go-to Ooh. in our house because they like the thunder it. and it's like the beat. Uh, yes. but Taylor Swift hundred percent is our go-to and yeah. some of those dance moves are like, whoa, okay. And we're not watching it on television. We're listening into it on the radio. So you're not seeing that. So I'm not really yes. sure this is getting creative, 
but um, do you typically cook with the, like the girls help you cook or do you let them pick ingredients? Sometimes I have learned that if I let my kids have input in what we're going to eat, then they're more likely to eat it because yes. they got to choose it. And it's like, well, that was your choice. So we have to eat it. You can't back out now. <laughs> yes. I love that. I try to involve them as much as I can. Um, Grayson, we have our three and a half year old. We have one of those kitchen stools where, you know, it pulls up right up next to the kitchen countertop, mm-hmm. which she actually likes to stand there and eat breakfast. Bishop's in her little high chair right next to us and while we're cooking. And, um, she will. So that's the main, my kitchen currently is I have essentially a three by four workspace and that's my only workspace in my current kitchen at our house. And it's right there where gray is. And so she will, she'll mix and stir and add the pinch of salt. Uh, but you have to be careful not to give her the jar of salt because mm. it'll all go in. Yes. Um, but I'll pre-measure the spices, for example, of things, and then she'll toss them in the bowl for me and stir it up. Um, and she loves it. It's a lot of fun. And then every Friday we try to have a pizza night. And oh, us too. It's pizza you, day. Yeah. Friday night's it. pizza night. Mm-hmm. I love it. It is such a fun one. And if I'm, you depend, it's not always homemade. Um, but I really like to, if I've got the stuff and I've planned ahead of time for it. Um, but they like to make their own pizzas and it's so much fun. And it's, it's exactly what you just described because then when it comes out of the oven, and it's all puffed up and it has the olives exactly where they put them and all the different things. They're just so excited and so proud of their food. And so I found that that's, it goes a long way if you can involve them a little bit. Yeah. We, I, growing up, I didn't cook with my, my dad cooked, my mom didn't, and I, I was never involved. So I never had the skill set until I was older. And even in college, I couldn't even tell you I, and I was too busy playing sports. So we were just, dinner was always done because we were just too busy. Yeah. And so as an adult, I didn't have the foundation of cooking. And so I'm actually really grateful that I found your book because that's the book that I learned how to cook on because it was so broken down to mm-hmm. bit by bit, exactly what I needed because I would go through recipes and be like, oh, so it's too many ingredients. Nope. Next, next, yeah. next, because I wasn't able to go to the store and be like, what am I going to make for dinner and go grab random things off the shelf? I needed a recipe to follow. I wanted to make sure that there were things that like, I'm going to use a spice. It's going to be something common that I can use in other things. Um, yes. And then having like the three ingredients and then, you know, being able to prep it in the way, because cooking is really I think difficult for me. I like baking because it's very exact. You Mm -hmm. do not venture off of those measurements when you bake, it'll throw the whole thing off. So it's very exact. It comes out the way that you're thinking it is with cooking. It's up to interpretation almost because you can add a little more or less or so. I don't know. I'm always afraid I'll get it wrong. Or what if you you can't over, like once you overdo it, you can't really fix it. Well, you can, but I'm not skilled enough to do that. So It is, it's tricky territory and it can feel really intimidating. And that's something that I really like to help people take a deep breath around, you know, is that yes, you know, you could over season it and it might be a little salty tonight, but it's still food and it's going to be, you know, it's going to, it's going to be okay. And then you chalk it up as a lesson learned going forward. Um, the things that are hard to recover from, I mean, salt is one of them. If you really yeah. significant, and I have really over salted things in the past where, I don't, I, I don't know if I can blame it on the brain of 
being a mom, pregnant mom with small children, but like, I think I salted this three times. <laughs> oh, cause you forgot you did, or it's like, Oh yes. yeah. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. And my sweet husband will be eating it and I'll, they'll ask him, like, what do, what do you think? And he's like, it's really good. <laughs> so well, he starts with that. That's a, a start. Salty. <laughs> starts with the positive. So that's a good, that's a good, that's, he's a keeper. It is. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, the worst is too, if it's bad and they make the face in front of the kids and then the kids see it and they're like, Oh, they all of a sudden didn't like it either. I'm like, yeah, Mm-mm. no, <laughs> like, yeah, hold that too. for later. Hold it yes. for later. That's a, that's a conversation after like they've taken a bite and make their own decisions because yes. now I'm now what I gotta go yeah. make a peanut butter sandwich because I'm, yeah. I don't know what to do. <laughs> totally. Oh gosh. Yeah. It happens. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, it keeps going and um, it's, it's so funny because with baking you, it's like, you can see immediately when something turns out correctly mm-hmm. and with uh, savory cooking it, like you said, it's a little, you, you don't quite know. It's a little, um, a bit more up in the air and the more comfortable you get in the kitchen, the more you can kind of interpret those signs and things. But at the end of the day, I think it's all good. You know, it's all, it's all going to be food. It's going to be, it may not be exactly what you meant to make, but it, it can still be dinner. Right. And my mom used to say, like, if you can read, you can cook. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Right. I mean, you have to, and you have to be able to, I mean, it, it flavors develop and all those things, but, um, I'm a big fan of that book and I, I have my health and wellness clients. I tell them all the time because they are gluten-free dairy free. And so having all those options and then the Instapot is the best thing ever. What's your favorite cooking tool? I do have to ask. I mean, it probably is between what an air fryer, maybe I don't have one, but yeah. An air fryer is really handy, but I will tell you, I probably use my instant pot the most out of all the tools. And I love my slow cooker. I love a Dutch, um, cast iron, uh, for braising. Yeah. Dutch oven. Thank you. That's the word. Um, for braising long periods of time, like a really good brisket. That's you can make the tastiest brisket that way. But if I only have 45 minutes until dinner time, I don't have three hours, you know, to stick that in the oven. An instant pot is such a real saver, a real lifesaver in those circumstances. So it's one of my favorites. It's just so fast. It is. It is. And I had it for like a year and I was like so terrified of it, honestly. Yes. I was too, Heather. I really was. I, before I used it, it was my first pressure cooker that I'd really use like that. I was like, am I going to blow the house up? I have no idea. I'm very concerned. (laughs) There's There's a meme out there that I used and it was this, this person with like, um, it was like a pot. I don't know. He had something in his hand, but it was a hoodie and it was like, puffed and it was completely uh, tied up and it was like about to try like open my Instapot. And I was like, that is the feeling that you get yes. before you try it for the first time, because you it's are so just thinking it's going to pop off or the steam starts flowing out everywhere and you're going to yes. burn the house down. Right. Everybody outside. I don't know what's about to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like everyone clear out. Like we're just going to put it in the middle of the house. I'm just going to open it and just see what yes. happens. Yes. No harm, no foul. <laughs> And then after you, it's funny. I actually, I think I actually recorded myself doing the vent for the first time and I like did it. I'm like, Oh, 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 that was, Oh, okay. That wasn't so bad. I was like, that was definitely anticlimactic. Yeah, it is. It once you do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, seriously, I just waited a year to open that thing (laughs) for that. Awesome. Yes. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you. You do. It's great. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, cause, cause you can make so much stuff in it mm-hmm. and it's so fast. Like chicken, like you shred yep. it really fast in like 10 minutes. Yep. So, I mean, I've grown to love it. <laughs> I have, I have grown to love it. And I love that your book has that option in there too. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I'll, I could talk about your book all day. Uh, well, before I let you go, I forgot because I was super excited. I completely <laughs> forgot my uh, icebreaker question that I typically open with, but it's Ooh. appropriate is what is your favorite cookie or cookie memory? Ooh, my favorite cookie or cookie. My favorite cookie is a snickerdoodle. Ooh. And my favorite cookie memory is probably my grandmother would make the best snickerdoodles. Of course. I mean, they were made with Crisco. Oh yeah. That's the best cookie though. Essentially petroleum jelly. (laughs) I mean, yes. I mean, I have a thing of Crisco just for Christmas cookies because it's hard to beat. It is. You got to do it the right way. It's horrible. Like as I'm scooping it in, I'm like, Oh, I know. but it's like, Oh, it's going to be good though. They're going to be the best cookies. Um, they, they, that would be it is my grandmother Lois would make just, I'm not even joking. I think it was upwards of a hundred dozen cookies around Christmas time. And she would fill her bedroom with them and give everybody a 10, all her whole huge family, a 10. And you would go, we would, every family member would go fill up their cookie bin when we go by and say hi to grandma and grandpa on Christmas day. And she had a very large family and she started baking in, it was like September. She started baking her cookies and freezing them just to prepare for Christmas cookie season. That's great. I mean, I, that's my favorite time of baking actually is Christmas. My kids love it. They have a good time. I, we have like the traditional staples and it's only the one time that you can like, I think that's what's fitting. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And so your book is coming out September 14th and do you ever go to the bookstore or write or sign notes in any of your books on the shelf and like leave them for people? I do. Yes. You do. If I ever see it on a shelf, I go and sign it. I actually, I've actually been stopped by a few, uh, one of the bookstore workers to be like, um, ma'am, you have to buy that now. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm the author. But I will, that's one of my favorite things to do. Have you ever heard from anyone that's like come across it? Like, Oh I my have, gosh. I've gotten a couple pictures. Yeah. People were like, Oh, wow. I did. I got a signed copy. I was like, that was not just a random coincidence. I mean, like I went to that store and signed it that's airports. So I really, I'll go through airport bookstores. That's one of my favorites and see if it's in there. Oh, how fun. I mean, that must be just a fun little activity to kind of kill time too. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm just going to go find yeah. my book and go sign some, make someone's day. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. That's fun. Oh, well, where can our listeners pick up your new book or any other books that you have and where can they find you? I, I know that you have a bunch of social, you know, different social media platforms that you love to do cooking demos and stuff like that too. Yeah. Yeah. So my main social media and website is called fed and fit, um, That's the website fed and fit on Instagram, for example, is where I'm probably the most active and then the book cook once dinner fix, you can pre-order it really everywhere. Books are sold I Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Walmart. I think you can pre-order it there right now, even. And if you pre-order it before the book comes out on September 14th, then be sure to come back and find me. We have a whole suite of goodies for you pre-orders. We could probably spend a whole hour just talking about the business of books, but pre-orders help so much. 
And it is such a leap of faith though, to pre-buy something before you see it. And so I want to thank people as much as I can. And so we have by really soon, I will have two eBooks. There's one out right now, but soon to be two eBooks with eight dinners that are not in the book. They're just gifts. And then eight um, really easy to make lunches for you in the same kind of cook ones fashion. Um, an invitation to our VIP only launch party, which is going to be a real party. It's going to be online. Um, and then we'll have something really fun planned. Heather, I don't think I've told you yet, but we have in the first four days when the book comes out again, I just like, I think this is a, this is something for the community. And so I really want to spoil the community at every twist and turn I have. Um, and so in the first four days when the book comes out, I have an actual physical gift that I'm going to drop in the mail to as many people who take me up on it. And if you share about the book on your like social public feed in the first uh, four days, I'm going to send you actually mail you a meal planner tear sheet with a magnet on it. Well, so, send on one over because you uh, know I will. <laughs> you're just the best, but it's just going to be so much fun. So pay attention, fed and fit on Instagram is probably the best place to follow. So you don't miss uh, what's going on, but um, we have all kinds of fun things planned. Yeah. And you actually, I, I love all the stuff that you put out, even in your emails, cause I'm on your email list and I get all of the oh, recipes yeah. and everything. And I actually try some of those meal plans. If, oh, good. Like, you know, oh yeah. All the time. It's great. And, uh, you had something where it was, and I tried, oh, it was just a bad timing, but I really wanted to, it was that cooking challenge. Oh yeah. You did. Yeah. And I was so bummed. I couldn't get in on it like fully. Yeah. It was really exciting. I was because you do a lot of fun stuff. So it is I, a lot of fun. I try to have fun. I try yeah. to whenever I'm feeling burnout or something like that was the cooking challenge was I'm feeling like a little stuck in the kitchen. Maybe I'm not alone. And, you know, so we just we did it together. I like to I like to do that as much as possible. And I love that you do your demos and your stories. I remember when you asked the question, like, where would you prefer me to do it? And stories yes. is where it was. And so I was actually thinking to myself, like, what a pain. Cause I spent Instagram's like, but I teach some of my clients and I'm like, Ooh, how is she doing that live? And also keeping like going. Cause it yeah. was a nice flow. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. I'm glad it is. It's a, it's a lot of work, but I think it's, it makes sense to me. That's how I would prefer to watch a demo too, is to be able to kind of, you can kind of fast forward, you know, a little bit if you want, if you're watching in stories and and then rewatch the parts you'd want really easily, but those yeah. are all, and I'm demonstrating right now dinner series from the new book. And so, and those will be saved as a highlight on Instagram. So if you miss any, you can go back and see them there. I love it. So everyone needs to go follow Cassie on her. And I also like seeing your family on your personal Instagram, yeah. but uh, fed and fit. It's one of my favorites. Like fangirling over here. I was no. that you're Heather, here. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. And it, it, it's funny. Cause I posted that you were going to be on soon. Everyone's like, isn't that the author of the book that you just like throw in our face all the time? Like, yes, it is. It totally is. So make sure you oh, enjoy it and get some tips and, um, congratulations on the new baby. And if thank you're ever you. in Austin and let me know, or you know, we're not, you're just like an hour away, not too far. Yeah. You're super close. I will let you know, especially around Christmas cookie season. I might right, I'll bring the Crisco. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, thank you again. And all the uh, information is in the show notes and the link to grab uh, the book and any other uh, books that you have. And again, thank you so much for being here and listening to an episode of the chaos and cookies podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the chaos and cookies podcast. 
If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.